Hey listeners, just jumping in quickly before the podcast to notify you about the BodyTrack Academy educational webinars that we have available via Eventbrite. We cover a variety of topics ranging from oncology, musculoskeletal rehab, neurological rehab, mental health performance and much more, all of which you can access 24-7. That means you can purchase the webinar and watch it at any time that suits you. You can claim our webinars as PD points via SS self-assessment tool and as a valued listener of the podcast, you're entitled to $10 off any of our webinars, but do hurry because the code is only available to the first 10 purchases. Just use the code FIRST10. So head on over to Eventbrite and browse our webinars. The link is in the show notes and on the BodyTrack Academy Facebook page. I'd like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the Yagara and the terrible people as the traditional custodians of Mianjin the lands on which our podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the BodyTrack Academy podcast created by EPs for EPs. The podcast will take you on an in-depth understanding of everything an EP is faced with on a day-to-day basis, including clinical, personal and business practices to ensure you become the best practitioner possible. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, follow us on whatever streaming service you use to ensure the message spreads and you are notified of any new podcast or educational resources available to you. Furthermore, if you're not already part of our online academy, head over to Facebook and join the BodyTrack Academy. Happy listening. Time for a different angle on the BodyTrack Academy podcast today. Uh, not talking about clinical case studies or things you can take practically. But we're going to bring up around a discussion around the um, the Australian Physiotherapy Association statement regarding the difference between physiotherapists and exercise physiologists. And I'm joined today for the podcast by Ashley, one of our exercise physiologists here at BodyTrack. Ashley, welcome. Hi, everybody. Looking forward to discussing this new controversial document that has just been leaked. Indeed. So I think one of the main things, and, and we want to preface this with, is by no means this is a um, retaliation or a, a dig at the APA, the uh, Australian Physiotherapy Association. Um, we actually have very good relationships with a lot of our physiotherapy allied health teams. Um, it is more about discussing and making everyone aware uh, about our profession and if we want to elevate our profession profession to the standards that we want it to be, these things need to be discussed um, discussed and, and uh, I guess your passion for the industry needs to be shown here, which is why we're we're sitting down and having having this discussion. I think the other thing too, Dan is it's a legal document. so for people that have no knowledge of the difference when they read it, they're going to have a completely different outlook when yeah. they come to experience your services. If yeah. That's all they know. So I think it's getting across our point as well and kind of how we want to be more collaborative rather than kind of look at them as a profession and us as a profession and how we're so different mm. um, and that there are crossovers, I guess. Yeah. Kind okay. of outlining those. Well said. And I think the, the, the key thing from this as well is the statement that was uh, produced didn't have any involvement from ourselves when the, this statement was produced as well. So what going off from your point before, people are going to be seeing this, the community is going to be seeing this, uh, and there's not been a collaboration between the two, which is just a little bit unlike my experiences with other physiotherapists in terms of 
I know treatment approach, this is a bit different, but in terms of treatment approach, it is very collaborative and mm, yeah. um, the experiences I've had there. So that's what we're really, really getting into the nitty gritty of today. Now, if you're not aware of all of this and what's going on, um, some references that we can link in the show notes. So there is an abundance of information about this on the ESSA website, their e-news that they send, uh, Facebook pages, um, all, all um, relevant state chapters. There's also... People who are writing on LinkedIn about this as well um, and coming at it from the perspective that we wish to come at it as well and very being, being very uh, collaborative. I also just want to preface this is not Exercise Science Australia's um, point of view. This is our own personal point of view. So mm. we obviously are for the exercise physiologists, but this is coming from just our personal point of views when we talk about the, the yeah. topics today. Yeah. Indeed, and and it's like again how it sits in our practice and what we've we've come to know around collaboration with physiotherapy in a practical sense. So I think we'll kick it off um, uh, looking at the document here. One of the key things that I wanted to just discuss first and get your opinion on Ash was this statement here. Um, in terms of the physiotherapist side of it, what they've stated is they are the first contact professionals who provide a range of first-line treatment options using the broad scope of practice across the lifespan. No doubt that is their case. That's what they do. Um, and the second part of that, they're looking and they're responding around what exercise physiologists do, um, which one of the, the main statements is that we don't diagnose, which is true. Um, but then this is the part that I question. It's say, stating that patients should see a GP or physiotherapist first for diagnoses, and to determine the optimal treatment pathway. So in my opinion from that, it's seeming like people really can't come to attend us, uh, come and seek our services for what we offer in terms of a musculoskeletal sense without going to a GP or a physio first. What is your take on that one there? I think that's interesting because there's going to be times when people, it may not be that intense that they need to see a uh, um, medical professional for a diagnosis, it might just be that they need to make adaptions to their exercise program so they're not hindering their injury. Mm. But, of course, if it's a new injury or something that's the first time they've experienced, then on the flip side, of course, they need to see a GP and get further testing done or maybe see the physio and get some acute treatment and then see us. So it kind of just puts up a barrier to to us, I guess, and makes it seem like we're always like second in command. We yeah. can never be that first in command for people's health. That's um, right. And again, mm. it will always be a case-by-case case kind of scenario. But in general, if you read that, it just appears as though you can't just come straight to us. Like you can't self-refer yourself. So that would yeah. create a massive barrier to access for a lot of EPs in the industry. Yeah. And this is, again, going off what you said at the very start of the podcast, this is something that is going uh, invisible to the, the public. So mm -hmm. they're looking at this going, oh, okay, I, I, I can't attend uh, and see a physio uh, sorry see an exercise physiologist without going through this stage first i can understand their point of view but i think for diagnosis reasons definitely. absolutely like definitely. we want them to have a diagnosis yeah. coming to us so we can actually work a bit more around that sometimes but i think my point of this is how many clients have we had and, and again this is specific to us as ashley was saying we are a private practice an ep only clinic um, and we've had clients for, for longer than um it, in fact, longer than Body Track's been around. So it's been 14, 15 years, and they trust us in what they're doing. Now, 
that doesn't mean that along that con- along that time there's been numerous clients who attend weekly, twice weekly, three times weekly, and have had a flare up or maybe a new thing that's been uh, arisen during their session, perhaps a, a knee uh, experience a bit of knee pain, and you've been treating them for something else. That message there can kind of be misguided to think, oh, well, now I've got to go and get that diagnosed to then be treated effectively. Of course, yeah. But we know uh, where evidence is heading around exercise rehabilitation being the fundamental way to um, to treat these conditions. Not all, but but majority, and that's the way the research is, is heading. So it's around, for us, problem-solving and decision-making to make sure that they are... Um, receiving the most optimal care in that situation. Um, And I think it's one of our skills that we do well. mm. Exercise physiology, we're adaptable. Um, So that way, if these sorts of new symptoms do present, Mm. we can modify the exercise so it's safe and it's going to make that person feel better, not feel worse. So the thought of them having to then think, oh, I've got to go back to the physio to get this kind of treated or diagnosed before I can keep seeing my EP, that just creates like you know, kinks in the chain. And there are absolutely times when it is bad enough that we do refer back to the physio because it 100%. is something that we we can't treat optimally without having more information about. So yeah. I think it's just, yeah, the way it reads, it just could be worded better. That's right. Yeah. I agree. And, and I think that's is, this is where the collaboration with SR was, was required to ensure that this was um, worded better and, and collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just give an example from that, uh, and it's very recent. I have a very long-term client who has started to um, experience some hip discomfort uh, from no fault of her own or, or anything that's um, that's really been acute, but it's just started to become, a, it started as a niggle and it's started to just come, become a little bit more persistent. Now, the, the message I said, because I've got a long-term relationship and I have problem-solved and decision made, uh, made some decisions around her exercise program, to scale back on load and adapt the exercises, um, I, I, my, my conversation there was let's give this a couple of weeks and see if the, the discomfort that you're experiencing starts to settle. That wasn't so much the case. It was still lingering. So that is when I basically went, well, what I'm doing, I can't diagnose. I, I can't be doing the, the treatment like a physiotherapy can, of course. So I immediately said, I suggest you go and see our network of physiotherapists and selected one and they've achieved that, they've done that uh, and there's been some guidance and now I'm going to collaborate with that person to make sure that this client is is um, treated with in the most optimal optimal care uh, pathway. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. So that's where I see it kind of, of working um, and how I see it from our point of view as well. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast and we hope you're learning a lot in this particular episode. Just a shout out to our sponsor, HGG Performance, which provide very high quality, innovative gym equipment and custom fit outs to enable you to pivot your potential and smash performance and rehab goals. They are world renowned for their innovative creations in the gym accessory space, including the best selling ISO Tib LT, Tib Bar, Wrist Axe and Nordic Bar. And I got to say, we're using some of these equipment in our clinic and finding some great results. Used by professional sports teams, athletes and coaches worldwide, as well as the military, health practitioners, and apparently even Joe Rogan uses their gear. HGG is a proudly Aussie-owned company that makes all their gym equipment at their Gold Coast HQ. And our partnership with them, we are stoked to offer you 10% discount 
on any product with the code BODYTRACK10 so you can experience what all the hype is about yourself. So jump over to their website, go to the checkout, punch in the code of BODYTRACK10 to get 10% off um, on any of their great innovative gym equipment and start using today. Thanks very much. Um, the next point I wanted to bring up. The other part that this statement refer, uh, sorry, um, has in there is physiotherapists are clinical leaders in the prevention and management of recovery and rehabilitation. Ash, what are your thoughts on that as a statement? Again, I think, yes, they are the leaders in management um, kind of rehabilitation of musculoskeletal conditions. They see a wide range of neurological conditions, but there's a whole lot of other conditions out there that they don't see. And I'm thinking metabolic, I'm thinking um, oncology, um, all the different other health populations that we see um, and we manage as well as clinical leaders. So again, it's a little bit of a, feels like a little bit of a stab in the back because it makes it sound like they're the leaders and we have no space to be leaders as well. Mm. But I think, again, it's just a wording issue, Dan. Like, it just needs to be reworded. Yeah. And if I had the collaboration with our governing body, then it could have made it sound so much better for both sides. Yep, indeed. And I think, like, referring back to those populations you spoke about, there's a, there's a role for both of us in there. No way do we feel like we are, I guess, the leaders of their a patient's clinical um, condition because it needs to be across different allied health mm -hmm. the, the, across the scope um, we might be um, the leaders perhaps in, a, in an exercise prescription sense for some cases um, because we've done the training and the skill sets required to do so um, but I guess just uh, yeah very broad and very much direct and yeah. it can be misinterpreted of course yeah um, I think that going on from that, the next point I was looking at here was... Um, Sorry, can I just say as well? Yeah, go for With it. physio, it's very much of an approach of we're trying to, I guess we're trying to get that person feeling back to their normal self as quickly as possible. Mm. So they might see it as more of a short-term kind of treatment plan. Whereas EP, we're very much like a long-term treatment plan and you might see that person, you know, regularly or kind of periodically because um, we're trying to help manage their conditions for their health and for their life. So... In our practice anyway, um, we're always thinking about it as a long-term plan. And to me, that sounds like a leader managing health prevention management over a period of time. So I guess if we're not doing that, then we kind of have to look at what we are doing. Yeah. Um, um, and if the, if the physio is doing that, then maybe they're kind of slightly out of their scope of um, practice too, maybe. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, but good segue into the next point that that state states here of um, uh, it's kind of broken down what physiotherapists do, what exercise physiologists do in a clear um, infograph here. And and one of the points there was physiotherapists have clinical skills across all anatomical domains and use evidence-based clinical reasoning to assist and advise medical practitioners in ongoing management. So that's their point in 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 relation to that. The point that's made for exercise physiologists is we have the knowledge of the risks and benefits of a distinct forms of exercise. Doesn't say much about evidence-based practice, which is 100% what we do. Doesn't say anything about clinical reasoning, which is referring to Doesn't my case before. Doesn't say that we do a physiology degree. Nah, 
Nothing. So this is this is where. Oh, that's a bit harsh. Wording... I think that's harsh. That one. Yeah, I think that this is like it, it does come down to the wording. Um, we are predominantly and... exercise prescription. I will hundred percent support that. Yes. But there is a lot more. There's a lot of behaviour change strategies. There's a lot of you know counselling that we do. Mm. Um, so I think they've just missed the mark on kind of the other services we provide. They've just honed into that one skill that we are good at. Yeah, and then and then the last part from that again, stemming from it is. Physiotherapists have a broad therapy, ba- therapy base. That's very, very true. They use manual therapy techniques to reduce pain, facilitate recovery of normal movement, and rehabilitate patients using specifically designed um, exercise programs. And we know that's the case. We've collaborated with many who have provided different exercise programs for specific conditions that our clients have had and experienced, and we've incorporated that into their weekly session or their home program, whatever that might be. The, um, the other side of that, from an exercise physiologist, we have a restricted scope is the statement. Um, as an unregistered profession, exercise physiologists primarily manage patients using clinical exercise intervention as their main modality. The thing that they don't really, and I know they've said main modality, that, that doesn't mean it's squashing the other things that we do, but how many people have we had to do behavior change strategies with inter- motivational interviewing? Um, the exercise sometimes is the secondary component of this of what an EP can do experiencing that ash. The other word that, sorry, I'm just going to quickly sidestep here. The other word that really sticks out to me and it doesn't sit right with me is that we're unregulated, or was that the word, or was it? Unregistered. Unregistered, um, which... From APRA and all those. And I can understand Mm -hmm. that, but we, we have an accreditation process. It's a formal university degree. So I think, again, that just reads to the public like we don't have any sort of certification or kind of registered skill base that makes us sound unprofessional. So it's a little bit unfair because, I mean, people go through a four-year, five-year degree to be able to work in this industry and they have to do a lot of study. And so, yeah, it's just a bit of a kick in the teeth. So it would be nice to not have that specific word in there so we sound like the professionals we are. But in terms of our, our skills that we do provide, I know in my own practice, there's a lot of counselling, there's a lot of um, intuitive movement just to help support mental health and um, get get people even considering to action that behaviour change. So it's always about the exercise, but sometimes it might just start off with interview, uh, like interviewing um, and kind of talking people into what they need to do and setting up strategies and goals and things before you even get them to the moving part. Mm, exactly. Uh, I was just going to cap off with any specific examples that you can provide our listeners, Ash, about how you've worked collaborative, collaboratively with a physiotherapist and, and produce really great patient outcomes. I mean, I've got so many that I could list off in my head. One that comes to mind recently was a client that was actually referred to me by her physio mm-hmm. and she had yeah. ongoing hip bursitis, which was she was dealing with for a long time. The question mark was around whether she had cortisone injections and the physio wanted to try some exercise intervention before that actually happened. So the positive news was with some progressive exercise training, we found we actually reduced the pain she felt through that inflammation and her hip bursitis actually resolved on its own and she now continues to exercise regularly, um, supervised and is doing really well. Unfortunately, she had a bit of a a barrier earlier in the year where the hip bursitis has come back after a long trip away in Europe, traveling um, through lots of different places with lots of stairs, um, <laughs> and the bursitis flared back up. Yep. 
Um, so again, before we kind of intervened, we sent her back to the physio just to get clarification on what was actually going on. They did some kind of initial um, kind of treatments just to get that feeling a little bit nicer before we brought her back to exercise and get her and modified what she was doing. So again, now we're back to the point where it's pretty much fully resolved. We didn't have to go down the cortisone injection route, mm, which great. is awesome. Yeah, great. Um, but again, it's just where you might refer backwards and forwards. You might They might refer on back to you. You might refer back to them. Um, and that can be for any allied health. It's not necessarily just physios. Yeah. We like to see that amongst dietitians, podiatrists, uh, speech pathologists, um, whatever is going to give that client the best health outcomes. Mm. We want to be collaborating and being um, around that client, putting them in the center. Yeah, that's exactly what's going through my head right now is the person, the, the patient in the center and all the allied health team around the outside, including GP as well. And specialists, and if you can get yes, them on board. Exactly. They're hard work, but yeah. you can. <laughs> um, I'll just finish this off by referring back to the ESSA um, Facebook page. There is updates happening through there. ESSA is doing a great job in terms of um, governing for us and reaching out to APA to have a discussion around this and um, collaborate. Uh, so check out that page for updates. Uh, and if you're interested further, reach out to us. We'll watch this space as well. Perhaps another podcast on developments. We'll find out. But uh, Ashley? I think, yeah, the more advocacy we can get around this, the more it makes a statement that it needs to be collaborative. Yep. I guess the more passion there is in the EPs um, to, tr to support this is just going to help kind of create ripples amongst the APA too. So that will make them want to hopefully revise, <coughs> sorry, the statement mm. um, or the, uh, the document. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it just all ends up being better allied health, a collaborative treatment long-term. So we all know that we work together. We're not trying to work apart. Yeah, that's the goal, isn't it? Colla uh, collaborative um, healthcare and holistic healthcare. Absolutely. Ash, thanks very much for joining me on this podcast and dissecting the statement from the APA. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. So remember to share, like or follow to keep updated with all our podcasts and educational resources. Mm -hmm.